are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt, coming to you on March 15th of 2022. Uh, we have some exciting, or this is going to be an exciting episode, at least because baseball is back. The lockout is over. Spring training has started. Uh, and we are going to have a full season. Uh, but before we get into all of that, sorry for missing last week. I think both of us were just frustrated with how everything was going with baseball and just needed to take a, a week off of it. But shortly after, lockout ended. So how are you doing, Matt? You ready for uh, ready for this to all get started? Yeah, um, you know, last week, we, you know, we got to Tuesday and it sounded like the sides were kind of talking. So and that something could end up getting done. So we kind of decided to hold off on our episode and then it didn't get done and we were frustrated and then the next day it did get done so uh here we are we've had a ton of movement already um you know it's a little slow to start the weekend understandably because there's new rules and there's new uh and, and you know obviously players and teams weren't allowed to talk for several months but um uh, you know now we're starting to really get some moves going and some big time stuff happening over the last couple days so uh we'll uh we'll get into that and uh It'll be uh, it's, I'm excited. I, it's gonna be it's it's been really fun the last couple of days and uh, some bittersweet things. Uh, a little bit of a spoiler there, but for me, but um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll get uh, we'll get into it here. Yeah. So uh, the lockout was officially lifted on Thursday. I believe it was at 4 p.m. Pacific. Could be 5 p.m. Pacific. Um, but in total, it ended up lasting 99 days. Um, but the good news is that. The sides were able to get back to it. They agreed we are going to have a full 162 game season. Um, so it's going to start opening day will be April 7th uh, and then April 8th for some teams. There will be have to be some double headers and like makeup days in there. But we are going to get a full season, uh, which is, I think, a real worry for a lot of people for a long time that we weren't going to get that. Um, but, you know, just kind of looking at the the broad, broader uh, you know perspective of the agreement, there's been a lot of talks of how you know how far away they were on each of the numbers, um, and basically where they were able to settle on was the pre-arb bonus pool. They were able to settle at fifty million dollars. Um, the minimum salary they got to seven hundred. It will rise to seven eighty over the time. Um, the luxury tax, which was a big issue for both sides, they got that to two thirty to start with, going up to two forty four by the end of the uh, agreement. Um, the draft lottery will be at six picks. There will be the universal DH. And then some other minor changes that will hit basically as they uh, as they come along. But what are your initial thoughts on all the numbers and, and just kind of the, the feeling behind, you know, the, the agreement and what's got out so far from it? Well, I mean, I think at the end of the day, the numbers, you know, they, they kind of came to a, to a middle point. I mean, we had talked about the, the players wanted the hundred million and the owners wanted the 10 million for that bonus pool. They ended up at 50. I mean, the, the luxury tax, they ended up about right in the middle that salary. I think it ended up being a little closer to what the players wanted, but it was, it was somewhere in the middle. Uh, MLB was able to get some things out of it. They got an expanded postseason. It was, tw- it's 12 games now, 12 teams now, excuse me. Uh, so they added one team from each league to the postseason. Um, you know, a few of the, really the, the things that people are going to notice on the field, you know, the universal DH, 
uh, was was put in there. That was kind of wanted by both sides, so that was kind of an easy thing to get in there. But uh, a few, um, you know, there will be a few potential rule changes that they'll talk about for next year. There's supposedly going to be a committee that has some players on it and has some uh, some other people appointed by ownership about you know what they want to do potentially for those rule changes. And uh, you know, there's some different things on the on the table like you know potentially banning the shift or uh, you know, potentially pitch clocks, bigger bases, stuff like that, that, that are, that are in the, in the works that could be on that list. And, uh, they kind of laid the groundwork for how those could possibly be done if they end up going through. So, uh, definitely some interesting stuff there. Um, but at the end of the day, those numbers don't matter quite as much as, as, you know, we've been kind of leading people on to, to, to believe it, it's more of a, you know, this is how far apart thing that those numbers were a big deal on more so than, you know, the fact that they were able to come to agreement is really what matters. And people really aren't going to notice that that much. Uh, I'm sure that the player salaries will go up just, just a little bit. You know, some teams will be willing to spend a little bit more money because of the, the increased uh, luxury tax threshold. But uh, I don't think it's going to make that huge of a difference. I'm just excited we're going to get our baseball here this season for a full season. So, Yeah, and one thing that we didn't mention as well was that the um, there is a – possibility of an international draft that would take away the qualifying offer system that is not quite agreed to yet they have uh, set a deadline of middle july um, to basically come to an agreement on that and how it would be implemented Um, but we could see the the official banning of a qualifying offer um, next off season at least so that that'll be something that we you know keep uh keep you guys apprised on throughout the season and where those talks are heading but like you said, the, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's really great that they met, got to this middle number because there was a lot of animosity from both sides that they wanted their number and they weren't budging. And that lasted for a long time. Um, and I think basically it got to the, the time where both sides really figured out that, you know, 162 game season was on the line and MLB from their side, they've just signed brand new deals with Apple and um, Peacock for new streaming services and um, all kinds of stuff that they really needed a full season. And the players always wanted a full season. So it came to the head that, that they had to make the decision on those last couple of days to get it in there and they got it. So baseball's back. And then basically what that did is it started the frenzy of free agency in the trades, which will, uh, you know, we'll kind of move our way into that and, there's going to be some uh, some grouping up here. We're going to start with all of the trades because there's really there's really a group of two trades, two trades, and two trades that all are kind of interconnected with each other. Uh, so we'll go ahead and start with the Texas Rangers and the Minnesota Twins. And that started with the Twins trading catcher Mitch Garver to the Rangers for infielder Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and a prospect Ronnie Henriquez. And then basically what that did is the Yankees and Twins ended up making a trade where the, the Twins flipped Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and Josh Donaldson to the Yankees for catcher Gary Sanchez and shortstop Gio Urshela. Yeah, so, um, you know, the first trade, um, you know, between the, the Twins and the Rangers, uh, the major league pieces, at least I don't know too much about the minor league piece in that trade, but the the, the big ones were, were Mitch Garver and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. And Mitch Garver is a really solid power hitting catcher um, who he's not a great defensive catcher, but he's, he's a good hitter. Um, and he puts up, uh, you know, when he plays, he's really good. Uh, this year, you know, he played in 68 games, had, had two war in 68 games. Um, 
you know, hit 13 home runs, 256 average, 358 on base, 517 slugging. He actually hit 31 home runs in only 93 games in 2019. So this is a guy who can really mash the baseball when he plays, but his problem's been staying on the field. Obviously, as a catcher, you're not expecting 162 games, but his career high in games played is 103. Back in 2018, his career high in plate appearances was in 2019 with 359. So this is a guy who definitely you you worry about being able to stay out there, stay on the uh, stay on the field, and um, you know possibly the Rangers with with their situation might even look to DH him a little bit, have him DH and have him catch some. Um, but uh, definitely a, a high upside power bat, and then. Um, it's kind of the opposite of what you get with him, of what you get with Isaiah Connor Falefa, a contact hitter that, that plays pretty good defense up the middle, um, which obviously uh, his stay with the Twins was very short. Yeah, because then the next day, they, I mean, I don't think he was in the building for 24 hours. Um, and you go ahead and flip him to the Yankees with Josh Donaldson, which, uh, you know, that's big because the Yankees are going to take on the full salary of Donaldson's contract. Um, I will have to look up. It is until at least through 2024. Um, yep. There's a mutual option there. Um, but, you know, Donaldson's been one of those guys who hasn't been able to stay healthy on the field um, for a long time. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Yankees are able to use him in that infield. Maybe they give him a little bit more DH time and if he can stay healthy. But really, Isaiah kiner Falefa is a guy that they have really targeted for even a couple of years. There's been rumors back to, you know, the, the off season before COVID that they were really trying to get him to be a, you know, one of their infielders or a utility type guy for them. Uh, so it was a guy they coveted and it was able to get that trade, picking up the salary from Donaldson. And it just kind of seemed like time that they were needed to get off Gary Sanchez. Um, he just kind of needed the fresh start. Minnesota had just traded their catcher. So they needed another catcher slash, you know, dh type guy and then getting geo Urshela, who immediately slots in as your shortstop now which you were expecting kind of it to be it, it seems like a win-win trade for you know basically all three of these teams in it the rangers get a, a better hitting catcher from them now that gives them more of the the try and compete type mode that they want to go to the yankees get you know the, the shortstop that they were really have coveted for a couple years and the power bat potential of josh donaldson and then minnesota gets you know a a catcher that you're hoping you can revitalize back to his old form and then a you know really solid shortstop type league average hitter um you know to play for you there yeah if he plays if he plays shortstop he's you know he might play third it maybe i'm a little worried about him playing shortstop but uh he's a great defensive third baseman regardless even if he doesn't play shortstop but but yeah i mean i, I agree that this is a really interesting trade because you know i feel like in some ways, the Twins win this trade at the big league level because, you know, you worry about Donaldson staying out there and you worry about Urshela staying out there, too, because uh, he, he hasn't exactly been the most durable player. But uh, Donaldson's aging and he's, you know, he's in his mid to upper 30s and uh, big contract. And, you know, he's still really good when he plays, but that, that's been an issue for him. I mean, he's had chronic injuries back for the last Really, the only season in the last five years he played, you know, all the way through was what is his 2018 season in Atlanta or 2019 season in Atlanta um, that he stayed healthy for most of that year. But other than that, I mean, it's been, you know, rough for him staying healthy. And then um, 
You look at uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, I think, is a stopgap for the Yankees, a great stopgap for the Yankees to have. They get a really good defensive shortstop who can come in there, big, decent contact hitter, uh, you know, hit somewhere down in the bottom of their order. But, uh, you know, they really need some good up-the-middle defense. That's something they've been lacking the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, with, as they've been playing Glaber Torres at shortstop most of the time, and now they can for sure slide him over to, to second or third. And uh, well, I guess second with Donaldson being there now, and, and they can have Connor Falefa play short, and um, you know, because they, they have a couple of really, really good prospects in the minor leagues that are going to be up in a couple of years that that they can then have take over for Connor Falefa when he moves on. But uh, I, I like this for the Twins too because I think Gary Sanchez is a guy who I think a lot of the, the New York media type stuff has worn on him some, and that um, he's a high upside player. If you can get him to commit to catching and if this change of scenery can really, you know, give him the kick in the pants he needs, uh, that could be a really, really big time, um, you know, deal because he's got as high upside as anybody at catcher in in the big leagues. Then uh, you look at Gio Urshela, like I said, you know, a guy who he's a really good defensive third baseman. He's shown flashes of being solid at the plate as well. So, uh, you know, we'll see what he ends up doing. But, I mean, he could be, you know, he I could very well see him uh, put up similar numbers to what Donaldson puts up this year. So, um, you know, we'll see what ends up happening. Um, but this is a really, really interesting move. And I feel like just with the money factor, I feel like the Twins probably won this deal. Because I honestly think the Major League talent level, it's kind of a wash. But the, but I think that the when you look at the money factor, I think the Twins – you know, obviously save some money with this. So definitely interesting. And I'll, I'll be intrigued to see how these players play this year. See who won this trade. Yeah. And actually there's another twins trade. We'll talk about here in just a little bit. Um, but that involves another team that made two trades that kind of are, are intertwined. So we'll talk a little bit more about the, the twins and their, their, you know, ability to compete or what they're trying to go for here in just a little bit, but it does make sense. You get off that Donaldson contract, it frees a little bit more up for you to go do to be more flexible this year. Um, and I really do like Gary, get him into a new scenery, um, new coaches, just everything new around him and see where you can go because he has a ton of potential and talent, which we saw early in his career. Um, but that media, you know, New York media, like you said, um, can really wear on you. So, but let's go ahead and move on to uh, the, the Mets and the A's. So this is basically going to be the A's portion of the two trades. The, their first trade was trading Chris Bassett to the New York Mets and getting um, two prospects by the name of JT Ginn and Adam Allier. Yeah, so um, Chris Bassett's a guy who had a really, really good 2021 season. Um, you know, put up a, uh, a, a 157 innings, um, you know, a 315 ERA, 334 FIP. Uh, his ex-FIP was a little bit higher than that, 393. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, you kind of look at his pure talent level as a pitcher. It maybe isn't the highest out there, but he he's had his success the last two years. Um, you know, he's been really good and, um, for, for Oakland. So, uh, I, I think he's a guy that the Mets would like to slot in as probably their number three pitcher behind DeGrom and, uh, Scherzer. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's a, he, he's solid for that role. He, he probably isn't a guy that you would want as your ace on a contending team, but for, as a number three, he's, he's really good in that role. And uh, he, he also kind of pushes that rotation back to where the, those last couple guys, the Walker and Carrasco's of the world, are, are more of like depth rather than having to be relied on constantly as Walker has his inconsistencies and Carrasco's had his injury issues. So uh, Chris Bassett, I, I definitely think that's a, that's a good guy to get. Um, and uh, for the Mets, um, you know, they, they it wasn't a lack of uh, 
you know, it wasn't a lack of uh, not giving anything up. JT Ginn's a really solid looking prospect. So um, he's had a, uh, you know, a good couple of years in the low minors, former pretty high draft pick, a second round. Um, I believe he was out of, I think he was out of Mississippi state maybe. Yeah, he was. Um, I remember him in college. He was, he was solid. So um, definitely, uh, definitely a pretty good pickup there for the, for the A's. Yeah. I really like uh, JT Ginn. Um, you know, especially going to Oakland, who they've always found ways to maximize pitching as well. Um, you know, 22-year-old pitcher um, that has had, you know, two, you know, he played an A ball and then high A this year. Like you said, both really good in both or really good in both of those leagues. Um, gives him time to, to work up to being a major league talent. And I think he'll probably get there within probably three years or so. Uh, I think he can really be, you know, a, a good rotation starter in the in the league. Adam Allier's a little bit uh, of a guy. He's a little bit older. He's at 27 already, um, but he kind of projects as a, you know, a long reliever slash number five starter. He, you know, maybe a guy that you can see Oakland maybe move to the pin. Uh, has a really good fastball and curveball and changeup. Uh, his slider's kind of lacking, lacks a little bit of command, so maybe going to the bullpen will help him a little bit more with that. But, you know, overall, I think it's a win-win trade again. Like, the Mets get that number three starter that they need to pair right behind DeGrom and, and Scherzer. He's on a one-year deal. Um, but then the A's, you know, you're trading a 33-year-old on a one-year deal, and you're getting back, you know, uh, two prospects that could reach your rotation. And, and one guy who I really like a lot, uh, and, you know, and even if the other one turns out to be more of a bullpen arm, you know, you really didn't give up much. You weren't going to resign Bassett and you're not going to compete because we'll talk about the next trade, which is a, a pretty big one for Oakland. So, you know, win-win trade from both sides. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what these, uh, what the prospects will be like in here in a couple of years, but looking forward to the next trade and, and Matt's going to have some, uh, some stronger feelings about this one, but the Braves and A's agree to a trade that sends Atlanta Matt Olson first all-star first baseman Matt Olson, who also agrees to an eight-year, $168 million extension, while the Oakland A's get pitchers Ryan Cusick, Joey Estes, catcher Shea Langliers, and outfield prospect or major league player Christian Pache. Yeah, so uh, this is the big one. Um, this is probably the biggest trade you're going to see in this, you know, in the offseason this year. Um Matt Olson is a really, really, really underrated first baseman. He's really good. A lot of people don't talk about him, mainly because he's played in, in Oakland. But this year, he put up five war, 39 home runs. Um, he's a gold two-time gold glover at, at first base. Um, his career, he's already put up 15 war in, in under – and really just – he's only played three full seasons because his first two years were bouncing up and down between the majors and, and minor leagues. And then, you know, he had 2020. So, um, he's a guy who he, he's a, he's just a great, great all around first baseman. Um, and you know, the, the return for, for him, he's just the only player the Braves got in this deal. Uh, oh, and the, the extension they signed him to was very, very team friendly in my opinion. If, if he continues at the pace he's on now, uh, as you know, it's, they're going to be paying him basically, you know, right at $20 million at, as a maximum for the next eight years and have an all-star first baseman. Um, you know, the, 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 the return for him, you know, Christian Pache, he really doesn't, he really, really doesn't have it at the plate right now. And he had showed some flashes of maybe being able to, to pick it up at the plate as a prospect. That's always kind of been the concern. And he was probably the worst hitter that we saw in, you know, in baseball last year when he came up for, for his time in the big leagues, he really did. 
you know, he, he was really, really, really bad at the plate. His defense is elite in center field, and there's hope that he's so athletic. There's hope that he could fix his swing and figure it back out, but there are a lot of issues with his swing that need to be addressed. Um, you look at the other guys in the return, Shea Langoliers. Uh, that's this is probably the biggest loss for the Braves. Um, he's a guy who is a high upside catcher. Um, he he hits for power. He's great defensively. He he's not a great. Um, he 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 doesn't hit for a high average. He hits for a really pretty low average. It's not he strikes out a decent amount, but a lot of it's a batting average on balls in play. He hits the ball in the air a lot. Pops it up a lot. But uh, he's a guy who who has a high upside. It's kind of weird that Oakland wanted him in the deal because they do have um, Sean Murphy behind the plate. But I guess, you know, that might be somebody they end up trading in in a year or two anyways. So the way Oakland operates. So, I mean, I guess it's good to, you know, kind of get whatever you can. Uh, but I, I think Shea Langoliers has a good chance to be a solid big leaguer. Uh, Ryan Cusick could end up being the guy that hurts the worst for Atlanta and, and pays off the best for, for Oakland in this uh you know, in this, he's a super hard thrower. Uh, that was the first round pick for the Braves this year, but he's got a lot of question marks, and a lot of people are thinking he ends up being a reliever. So he's kind of one of those high risk, high reward types. Then Joey Estes is a you know a, a decent prospect that you know is is not quite as high rated as the other guys in, in this trade, but he's a he's a guy who could certainly end up being a big leaguer in in a rotation. Um, and, and then, you know, you kind of look at the last little facet of this is that this means that the Braves are, are moving on from Freddie Freeman, which is, you know, not super surprising after the way the last couple months have unfolded. But, you know, if you had asked somebody at the end of the season if that was going to happen, um, you know, they would have been shocked. But honestly, from, from, a, from a fan standpoint, I hate losing Freddie Freeman. And he's a great player. He's meant a lot, you know, as a, as a Braves fan, he's been – He's been there the whole time, and it you know he's been an absolute ton to, to everybody who who supports the Braves and has watched the Braves. He you know won the Braves or helped win the Braves a World Series, and uh, he's going to be forever beloved by Atlanta. From a baseball standpoint, I probably am on the side of rather having you know this amount of Matt Olson at the price he's in. He is rather than you know the potential six years at 30 million per that Freddie Freeman's going to cost at his age. So from a baseball standpoint, I really like it for the Braves as a, from a fan standpoint, it hurts to not have him back. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's one of those things like it's the way that's the way, you know, professional sports work. Freddie Freeman wants to get his paycheck and, um, you know, the Braves weren't willing to pay a 33, 32 year old first baseman as much money as, you know, he, uh, someone else is. So, um, that market's kind of getting crazy right now too, but, uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, this is, this is a pretty cool deal for the Braves and the Oakland, Oakland got a really good high upside return too. So this will be, this is, uh, it's gonna be an interesting one. Yeah. It's another trade that I kind of like for both sides. Like it, Langoliers is a guy who I, I, I think will be really good. And it, you know, if they are hitting that reset button, it does make sense even now or in a year or so to trade Murphy and just try and get as much as you can for a 27, 20 year old catcher. Um, you know, when you're going to have him, if you can figure out with Pache and figure out what he needs to do at the plate to be more consistent there, you're getting, you know, an elite level center fielder that can, can get on base for you. But, you know, cause he's fast enough. He can, he can get on base if just with little infield hits and stuff. And then, um, you know, if you can figure out with Cusick, even if he becomes one of the uh, like a dominant closer, like they've saw guys like Liam Hendricks before, 
um, you know, be starters that kind of failed and then be able to be elite level closers. So, and then with the Braves, you're getting Matt Olson for eight years, 168. Overall, that's probably as Mount the, the amount of money Freddie Freeman's looking for or will get maybe a little bit less or Fred Freeman might get a little bit less than this, but you're getting him for eight years when you were talking about five or six for Freeman and, and Olsen's 28 years old. And I really think he's going to thrive in Atlanta getting out of Oakland, which is one of the worst ballparks to hit in. Um, you know, you get to a, to a field like truest, uh, truest park that really helps left-handed hitters go into the chop house. Um, there will be, uh, It'll be really good. And I, I saw something today. It's like the Braves are paying Matt Olson, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Ozzie Albies like $303 million over 23 years or something combined, where Fernando Tatis is getting 14 years for like $330 million or something. It's just insane yeah. the way that the, the Braves are able to you know, get these guys to take really uh, team-friendly deals and help them out in the long run. Yeah, that's that's not the only heist they pulled off today, too. So Yeah, which we'll talk about that one here in a little bit. But, you know, then looking, we'll, we'll jump over to the next kind of group of trades here, and that's with the Twins and Reds kicking off, uh, you know, the Reds portion of it where the Minnesota Twins get Sonny Gray and prospect Francis Paguero, while the Reds give up, or the Reds get the Minnesota first-round pick from this year, Chase Petty. Yeah, so, uh, you know, starting off with Sonny Gray. Um, Sonny Gray is a really, really solid pitcher. He honestly, he, he had a little bit of a down year when you look at his ERA and his FIP, but his other metrics were really, really good this year. And uh, maybe a little bit of bad luck on home run balls. He was playing in Great American Ballpark, which is a, you know, notorious hitter's park. So, um, you know, maybe going to, to, uh, to uh, Minnesota will help that. Um, you know, he, he has great strikeout numbers. He's been over 10 strikeouts per nine the last three years, which is really, really, really good. Um, and, uh, he's been a, you know, a legitimate number, probably number two pitcher for the last, um, uh, you know, for, for a long time now, you know, even his time coming up with Oakland to his time with Cincinnati, you know, when he was with the Yankees, he struggled a little bit, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's a great pitcher to have. Um, and, uh, you know, you look at, um, you know, look at the twins and it's kind of weird that the twins are going to try or going to acquire him. Um, because he's, um, it, 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 it does feel a little bit weird because of his, because of this twin situation. They just got done trading guys this year. Like, uh, you know, like, like, like Jose Barrios. Um, and you know, it doesn't make a ton of sense to go, trade for another pitcher that's doesn't have too much of control left. But uh, if you are going to go for it this year, this is a good guy to, to do it with. And, um, you know, they gave up their, you know, a high first round draft pick from last year, a high school pitcher that's now, you know, you just never know. So um, you just never know how that's going to work out, but definitely an interesting, uh, definitely an interesting move. And, um, you know, obviously the Reds are using this, this to, to pick up a, you know, a young pitcher and, and to shed a little bit of money too. Uh, you know, they've been trying to do that all off season. So, uh, you know, we'll see what ends up happening. And if, if the twins can add more, I think this could end up being a really nice, a really nice move. They can add more pieces. Um, but you know, as of right now, it's kind of weird that they would be trading for pitchers when they really don't. I mean, he's really, he's literally, he's legitimately their only good pitcher to start the year with Maeda hurt. So, yeah, and that's why I think that it uh, it's not that much because you're also getting a prospect back in Francis Pequero. You're picking up a little bit of the contract from Sonny Gray, but you just got off the Josh Donaldson contract. And 
you know, Petty is a lottery ticket. He's a guy who can be really good, but he's struggled with command big time already. Um, and, you know, you just don't know. He's a high school pitcher, so he's gonna. it's going to take him a long time to get that return on the investment, even if the Reds um, do turn him around. But, you know, going into the lockout, Dylan Bundy was their best pitcher, was like their yeah. ace pitcher, and that's not very good. So it makes sense that the, they were able to get Sonny Gray. Um, they moved off the Donaldson contract, so maybe they're able to open up and, and trade for some other guys. I know that there's been talks that they've been talking to the A's about a potential like Manaya and Montas package, which would be really interesting to see what that would take, you know, get them back and, and what um, – you know what that would mean for the twins rotation if they were to have Montas, um, Manaya, and Sonny Gray, and where they else they'd be able to go from there. But you know, it is it is a little interesting because they were just getting off of trading uh, Jose Barrios. There was talks about trading Byron Buxton, so they got his extension done. Um, you know, and then getting Gary Sanchez and uh, Gio Urshela in there, but flipping uh, Garver and it's. It, it's kind of a, a weird off season, but the twins had to do something like the, it was their roster had been kind of stagnant for the last couple of years. They hadn't been really successful uh, and they just needed to, to get some fresh faces in there. And so I don't really hate the sunny gray trade at all. You know, he, he'll be a good piece for them. And maybe even a guy, if it doesn't work out this year, there's a mutual option. Maybe they can pick that up and potentially trade him down the line or something. But you know, you didn't give up much to get sunny gray. So it's a, pretty solid deal in my eyes yeah. but looking at the the next one which also involves the red it's reds it's with the mariners and the reds uh seattle gets acquires eugenio suarez and jesse winker then cincinnati gets justin dunn jake fraley uh right or left-handed prospect brandon williamson and a player to be named later who we don't know who that is but there's um there's a lot of rumblings out there that cincinnati is very high on whoever they are getting from that yeah, so um, you know, you look at the the trade from for the for the Mariners and what this means for them. Um, you know, Jesse Winker's a really good player, especially he, he just absolutely mashes gets right handed pitching. I mean, that's what he is. He is a right handed pitching destroyer. Um, he put up a one forty eight WRC plus this year, which is bonkers. Uh, three oh five average, hit twenty four home runs. That's only in one hundred ten games, four eighty five plate appearances. Uh, the one hundred ten games he, he did battle injury a little bit late in the season, but he also is kind of a platoon player. Uh, not a full full fledged platoon player, but he definitely is is a guy with some pretty big splits. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, this year this year alone he hit three forty six versus righties and one seventy six yeah. against lefties. Yeah, so he, he's definitely a guy that you're not going to rely on to hit against lefties. But you know, a team that just lost their biggest left-handed power bat in, uh, you know, in Kyle Seager to retirement. Um, you know, this is something that they probably need is somebody who can hit right-handed pitching really well. A lot of their top hitters are, are right-handed, so um, you know that's that's a good thing for for them to get. Maybe maybe he's like a type that you could platoon with like a Mitch Hanniger or something. Like, that would be interesting. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, a lot of this was kind of a cost move uh, where you're trying to dump the contract. You got Eugenio Suarez on. Um, you know, even though it's not a huge contract, it's still $10 million. And the last year or two, he's been pretty useless. 
but you never know. He might figure it back out. Um, he's honestly, his, his batting average on balls in play has been extremely low the last two years, like compared to his career norms. So I could definitely see him having somewhat of a bounce back. A lot of the projection systems are thinking he'll have a bounce back of some sorts. Uh, he still hit 31 home runs this year, but a 224 batting average on balls in play really limited him, whereas his career average is actually at 299 on that in that metric. So uh he's a pretty good bounce back candidate but uh and if you can get him to bounce back to that level i mean he's only owed like nine million dollars this year so it's uh that could be a really really good move for them um so that that contract is not near as bad as people kind of think it is but um you know you look at uh going forward um you know if you're the Mariners, you've got a new third baseman that, that could potentially slot in there, uh, replacing Kyle Seeger, and you replace the missing left-handed power bat that Kyle Seeger leaving, you know, leaves that gap. So uh, you definitely got a couple nice, uh, got got some nice, uh, not nice stuff there if you're if you're Seattle. Yeah, and then looking at the Reds' perspective, there's a lot of people that didn't really like this move from their side, and I I'm not one of them. I really like the return they got. Um, Justin Dunn is a guy who. You know, I really liked the past year. Had a really good year, um, you know, 375 ERA, but only in 50 innings. He battled some injuries. I think it was more of a shoulder injury, uh, but he was really good at the first half of the season until that. Until that, um, Brandon Williamson is a he's a lottery ticket type guy that you know he really reminds me of Blake Snell. Kind of has a has the pitches just like him, but struggles with command. But if you can harness that, I mean, we saw Blake Snell win his AL Cy Young before. Um, you know, so he can get to that level. You just got to work and refine him a little bit, depending on who that player to be named later prospect is. It could be even a better trade. Jake Fraley just seems like a throw in guy here. Like he's a 26 year old outfielder. You're losing Winker. Um, just here's a guy you can throw out there for now, or you can, I don't know if he has any, he has two minor league options left. So you can even you know, put him down in the minors and he can just be a depth piece for if somebody gets injured. But the the way the Reds are going, it's probably going to be a, a starting center field. Yeah. Give him, give, take, a, take the flyer on him. And if he works out, then you've got a guy that maybe you can use in the future. And if not, then, you know, you're not really too worried about it. Too like, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, you got two really good pitchers. One, Justin Dunn can come in and immediately be in your rotation right now. Williamson is a guy who, you could probably bring up this year, but most likely would be like 2023. Um, just give him another year to kind of fully harness that uh, that command and work on it down in the minors. And then Fraley is a guy who you can just throw out there or be a depth piece for it. And, you know, Suarez, he's the Reds are going into the full-fledged kind of rebuild mode. His contract wasn't bad, but he's 30 years old. He's not going to be there at the end of that deal. He's regressed the past couple years. Um, so trade him when he has a little bit of value left for that contract. And then Winker, it hurts giving him up. He's 28. Um, you know, he's been an impact bat for you the past couple years. But, you know, you you got a really good package back for him, and you got a couple guys who can be, you know, middle of the rotation. And if Williamson can harness, uh, you know, his best of his abilities, can maybe even be a top of the rotation player for you. Um, and you get off the, the contracts and just go more towards your rebuild. So I, I actually like that. You know, I don't think any of these trades has really been a trade where I'm like, man, I don't like that for either side. I, I think it's a, a pretty solid, you know, so far uh, rundown of these trades for, for any team that was has been involved so far. But you go, we'll go ahead and move on to more of the free agent signings. Uh, and that kicked off with the San Francisco Giants signing 
left-handed pitcher Carlos Rodon to a two-year, $44 million deal. Yeah, Carlos Rodon uh, last year was was special when he was pitching. He had the best. He had probably had the best stuff. The big leagues. He looked a lot like prime Chris Sell when he was pitching. I mean, he was that good. Uh, two thirty seven ERA, two sixty five uh, fielding independent pitching. He, he put up five wins above replacement. He only threw one hundred thirty two innings. That's the problem. He bat- he battled injury down the stretch, and that's been the, the downfall for him. In 2019, he only threw 34 innings. 2020, he only threw seven innings. Last year, 132 innings, a lot more, but he still battled injury down the stretch, and he was healthy coming into last year. So this is a guy that if you can bank on him putting up a pretty healthy season uh, that that's similar to what he put up last year, I mean, my God, he was so good last year. <laughs> he was insanely good. So, uh, you know, you hope that he can put up that kind of season and, and stay healthy, and you might be looking at like a Cy Young-type player. But it's also possible that he gets injured again. So I think it really makes a lot of sense for the Giants because it, it's you, you give him that high uh, you know value. He gets paid a lot this year and, and next year as a guy who is really, really, really talented. But, um, you know, so you get the opportunity to see what he does. He could help you. But at the same time, you know, you don't have a long-term commitment to a guy who, you know, tomorrow could end up tearing up his shoulder again and not pitching again. So uh, it's not like that long-term commitment, but it is a commitment that you can make to to have him come in there and and put up like a Cy Young-type season if if he's healthy. So I I really like this move for the Giants. Yeah, I – I don't like the move uh, as being a uh, NL West competitor of the Giants, but for the Giants itself, it's a it's a really great deal. It fills right into the role for Kevin Gossman that left to Toronto, um, and the Giants are one of those teams that they really find a way to maximize what each player can do. They're they're really big on the numbers, um, and they are also a team that is not afraid to you know lay off of you if you need the rest, like. They did it this past year with Buster Posey. They went in and said, hey, you're playing two days in a row, but no matter what, that third day you're on the bench. Um, you know, So they can go to a guy like Rodon and be like, hey, you know, to, to give you less wear on you, like you're only going to go six innings or seven innings. Like You're, you're not going to be pushed past your limit or you're only going to get to 100 pitches. Or they'll find some way to try and help keep him healthy for the entire season they're they're always a team that is on the front edge of being able to do that and get the most out of those players uh, because they they set those clear standards ahead of time Uh, so it is going to be interesting to see what they are able to do with rodon and maybe they're even able to unlock a little something um you know in his mechanics or something that'll help him stay healthy and, and take another notch up he was really good this past year like you said but i wouldn't be surprised if he's able to maintain that or even take another little step forward consistently um, with the Giants because they just find a way to be able to, to do that. Absolutely. But the uh, the next deal we had was Clayton Kershaw re-signs in L.A. with the Dodgers on a one-year $17 million deal. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of something that was pretty pretty expected. I think some people might have thought he, he, he could go elsewhere, but um, – you know, I mean, you weren't. I'm not surprised at all. He ended up back in back in L.A. He's been there his whole career. It's a place that's definitely willing to pay money uh, for somebody like him. Um, and um, you know, obviously as a pitcher, he still adds great production when he's healthy. And if he stays healthy all year, then he's super productive, and he's you know the Hall of Famer that he's gonna be. And uh, if he doesn't stay healthy, then it's a one year commitment. So. Um, 
I don't think there's too much that needs to be said about Kershaw returning to LA. Uh, he just he's part of what the Dodgers have been for the last t- ten or twelve years, and you know he's going to continue to do that in 2022. Yeah, there there was concern that he might have went to Texas, um, and he even acknowledged it and said like it was a thought, but you know LA is is where he knows and he he's been there his entire professional career, and that they gave him the best chance to win right now. Um, and, and a one-year, $17 million deal, you just knew that they were going to be able to figure something out. Like, there's always going to be a spot for Clayton Kershaw when he wants to be there. Um, there is some incentives in there that hasn't quite come out what those are that could push it up a little bit more. Um, but he uh, he is healthy. He battled the, the elbow injury late in the year last year, didn't even pitch in the playoffs. So there was a concern there, but um, he is back fully healthy, and, and he'll be able to to be there. It's just how long can he stay healthy? Will will he be able to last the entire season? Um, but there there really wasn't much of a uh, a concern about where he was going to play. But the the next move that we had was Yusei Kikuchi signs with the Toronto Blue Jays on a three year, thirty six million dollar deal. Yeah, so um, I really don't like this deal very much. Yusei Kikuchi is. He just hasn't been a great pitcher since he got to the big leagues. 2019, 2020, over five ERA. 2020, he actually, his, his metrics were pretty good, but 2019, his metrics were awful. This year, he actually was an all-star, but it was really kind of a flash in the pan. As down the stretch, he struggled. His ERA came all the way back up to a 441. His expected ERA number was a uh, 523 this year. Um, a 461 fit. He's just not, he's really more of like a number four pitcher and, you know, to commit $12 million a year to him seems a bit much for, you know, for a team that like the blue Jays that, you know, that's wanting to spend, um, you know, one thing that, you know, is good for him there is that, you know, for one thing, his teammate, Hinjin Ryu, um, you know, another, another, um, you know, guy from, from, from Asia, uh, that, you know, that there could be some, you know, that, that could be some good connection. A lot of the, the you know, I know they're different nationalities, but a, a lot of the Asian players like to stick together in, in certain ways. Uh, and then, um, you know, the fact that he's not going to be relied on as a number one like he was in Seattle. Uh, you know, you've got other guys. you got Gossman. you got Ryu. Uh, you got Rios. I mean, you, he's really going to be their number four, number five. So you don't worry too, too much about him as a number four, number five. He's got a little bit more upside than probably your typical, like we're just going to throw him out there to eat innings while our other three or four guys are, are top, top guys. And I mean, you got a couple other young guys too, like Manoa and, you know, you maybe could even, you know, if Nate Pearson comes back healthy, you could, he could eventually even shift, you know, Kikuchi like into a swing roll or something maybe. So um, you know, I don't love paying him twelve million a year for three years, but I mean, it's not it's not a horrible signing by any means. Yeah, I you know it might be a little much. I was probably I was thinking maybe he'd get eight to ten million a year, um, but maybe they see something in Kikuchi that they can help unlock, like they did with Robbie Ray. Um, you know, not the the pure stuff, but maybe they they there's something that they understand or, or know that. Um, you know, un- underlying numbers or something that can that can help him out. Yeah. But yeah, they were. It, well, I'll yeah. say they they were fairly successful with Stephen Matz, who's kind of a similar type. Yeah, yeah. They. So. I mean, that that is a good point as well. Um, you know, and, and I think it does gonna it's gonna help that he's not you know a guy that they have to have be 
you know, top the rotation and get a lot of innings. Like they also have other guys that can take like Ross Stripling. They have him as well. He can be a starter or, you know, that multi-inning reliever. They have Alex Manoa. Um, they have Nate Pearson. If he's able to, you know, stay healthy and get back to his prospect form, like they don't need Kikuchi to be all that amazing. They just need him to be a solid innings eater and go out there and keep them in ball games. And with that offense, they'll be able to, you know, to stay in games pretty easily. So it's not a, it's not an awful deal. It's kind of, it's a little bit more than I thought he was going to get, but sometimes that's kind of what happens when, you know, Rodon and, and Kershaw kind of come off the board really early. And then you're kind of like the top free agent pitcher out there. And you have a lot of teams who didn't get those other guys and they're trying to push to get somebody. So, you know, hopefully it works out for him, but we'll, you know, it's one of those things to be seen. Cause I think uh, moving from the AL West to the AL East is not going to be very kind to Kikuchi probably, but you know, we'll look out to the next signing we had was Nelson Cruz signed a one year, $15 million deal with an option for 2023 with the Washington nationals. Yeah. I think this might be the weirdest uh, signing of the whole postseason. Um, you know, Nelson Cruz is, is obviously a, a year or two from retirement. Um, he definitely struggled a little bit down the stretch last year, although some of that could have been bad luck. But he, I mean, he's obviously still a great player last year. Um, but, you know, as somebody who's a DH only guy, you know, it makes sense. His market went up a lot in the National League, uh, you know, and, and the Nationals were able to take a chance on him. But it really doesn't make a lot of sense for a guy that's at his age and, and everything to go to a non contender. And I truly don't believe Washington's in any, any position to contend, especially with the, the three teams at the top of the, that division. Um, you know, Washington just has no pitching. And I know they have Juan Soto, but he can only do so much as a player. He, he's great. He could be the best player in the entire game. And, you know, we've been watching the best player in the game get left out of the playoffs for the last, like, 10 years anyway. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't especially understand him going there unless it was just the best offer he could, he got, which it might have been, but um, and he might have just wanted the money from from them, which is fine, but um, definitely interesting. Um, you know, I guess for the Nationals, you get a guy that a right-handed hitter to hit behind Soto, he can protect Soto, maybe, you know, have to make force teams throw pitches in the zone to Soto a little bit more. Uh, so he can kind of capitalize because he has a lot more power, I think, than people realize just because, you know, he walks so much. Nobody wants to pitch to him. He doesn't ever have anybody, any threats behind him in the lineup. So he ends up just walking every time because he's, he's real patient. He has the good eye, but, you know, he might be able to hit a little bit more of, you know, be able to, you know, attack the strike zone a little bit more, which is, you know, could make his power numbers really spike. But um, we'll see what happens. Um, definitely interesting, you know. I think um, you need a lot to go right for them to be anywhere close to contention, though. So, uh, I mean, really, no risk. It's a. I think that's a mutual option, so the team can decline it if they if he if you know Cruz really shows some age fall off this year, uh, which is possible. At what what is he 40, 43? 41. 41, Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, anytime you're over forty, obviously, you know, it could you could fall off a cliff any day. So, but I mean, you know, chances are Nelson Cruz hits really well for a bad team and gets traded at the deadline. So, yeah, and that's kind of what I think. I mean, it was kind of weird when you heard that teams were in on him, like the, you know, the Dodgers, the Padres, the Brewers, teams that have a legitimate chance to be competitive. And then kind of out of nowhere, he ends up signing with the Nationals. Um, and he says that the that they told him they're going to be aggressive and get other moves in here. But it's, you know, they, they, you can say that all you want, but 
you know, it, once until it comes to fruition. And like you said, I don't think they're anywhere near competing. The, the moves they'd have to make are just not, not out there to be made, really. Um, so I, I kind of see it as somebody who they can they can trade him at the deadline, like you said. Um, or if that option gets picked up, then they trade him in the offseason or keep him until that deadline and try and flip him. Like, I, I would be highly surprised if Nelson Cruz finishes both years with the Nationals. Um, or if, if he signs this year, they keep him and then maybe he retires in the off season or something. But it was kind of weird because he, you know, he kind of didn't go to a team that he had a real chance to win. He had a, uh, he, he just went for where he's the most money and, and, you know, you can't fault a guy for that, but it kind of, it, it's, it's head scratching for sure. Yeah. But the, the next signing we had was Martin Perez signed a one-year, $4 million deal with the Texas Rangers and uh, basically returning where he started his career. Yeah, I mean, Martin Perez is a guy that, um, I mean, he's been in Boston the last couple of years. He's just a back end of the rotation type of arm. He's not very good anymore. Uh, he never was really a top of the rotation type guy, but he'll eat some innings for them. Um, he's not a disaster like Mike fulton was last year or Colby Allard is or something. So, I mean, this one really doesn't mean that much. Just a, you know, innings-eating signing. So, Yeah, it really is. And then, um, you know, kind of just more depth into that rotation pretty much. But the next signing we had is Andrew McCutcheon joins the Milwaukee Brewers on a one-year deal, although we do not know the value of that yet. Yeah, and I mean, some of this one depends on the value, but I mean, Andrew McCutcheon can still get on base, uh, walks a lot. Um, he's not he's not a disaster. He really needs to DH. He, he was horrible in the field this year. Um, but, you know, he, he hit it an above-average clip, a 107 WRC+. Plus. He's also a little bit unlucky on balls in play, only had a 242 Babbitt. So, uh, hit 27 home runs. I mean, you know, he could do well in, that, in, in Milwaukee and especially if he's able to DH there. Um, and, uh, you know, he gives them a, a, a legitimate threat in their lineup that, that's, you know, needs some more threats in it. So uh, not a bad signing. I, I guess it kind of depends on the dollar value, but, you know, uh, obviously it's a one-year deal. You're not too worried about that, depending on how it handcuffs them for this year. So if it handcuffs them from signing someone else this year, then you maybe, maybe it's not a great deal, but I kind of doubt that they would do it if that was the case. So, um, definitely a guy who you know has a little bit of upside as a hitter. Um, you know, could could have some kind of bounce back year. Um, although I don't really expect him to be some kind of superstar ever again. Yeah, but if you can get him back to like the the 2019 production that you got for him, being a, a 250 hitter with good on base and hit you, you know, in that ballpark, you'll probably be able to hit 10 to 15 home runs. Like that's kind of all you need from, yeah, he'll uh, hit, from him. He hit 27 last year, so I mean, he he'll hit more than. 10 to 15 if he plays every day, but well, I was um, looking back at, at 19, like he's he only played 59 games. Yeah. So he needs for more, but if you can get it back to the 250 yeah. average and a 370 on base, like yeah. he'll take it from Andrew McCutcheon. So, Oh, absolutely. Um, and then the last, the last, uh, like everyday player signing, uh, well, at least everyday player at this moment, but Andrelton Simmons signed with the Chicago Cubs on a one year, $4 million deal. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a deal that, you know, just kind of gives him some experience up the middle guy. Who's a, you know, a great defensive player. Uh, he had a bad year last year for Minnesota. He's actually worth negative wins above replacement minus 0.5, but, um, you know, he's still a great defensive shortstop. Um, you know, he's just not what he once was that, that defense really, he's still good, but 
with his bat, you have to play like elite, elite level defense, and he's not quite that guy anymore. But uh, you know, maybe he 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 has had some wild fluctuations on his you know at the plate in his career. So you know, maybe he has a, a better year at the plate this year, and um, you know they can play him every day. But they're not going to really rely upon him because to play every day because they have Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal up the middle. So yeah, I think you're just kind of looking at a guy who's going to you know just split time up the middle and maybe not in a platoon role, but just kind of a you know, you got three guys to play two positions every day. And, you know, Nico Horner and uh, Nick Madrigal have some versatility and where they can play on the infield too. So, um, you know, he had some pieces. Um, I, I think a lot of Cubs fans uh, and Yankees fans with that, with that Tyner Falefa deal uh, were a little disappointed thinking that they were going to be in on Correa. But, um, you know, this probably – I don't think that – the Cubs, I think this probably signals the Cubs aren't very confident in that. I don't know if it means they're going to quit trying. Obviously, if you can get Land Correa over, um, you know, you would wouldn't care about this signing anymore. But you know, it probably kind of signifies that they're not super confident in that. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see it much of a thing. I think they're going to roll with, you know, Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal, and I, I think Simmons is more of just the the kind of bench kind of guy that neither of them have been able to stay healthy. Um, you know, Madrigal is kind of, he had the one big injury last year, but Horner has been a guy who has really struggled to stay healthy throughout his career so far. Um, so Simmons can just be a guy that if, if one of those goes down, he can fill in and he can get spot starts, um, you know, wherever. Um, but will really help the infield defense because they have guys like Kyle Hendricks, Mark Stroman, who, and Wade Miley, who all rely on the ground ball very heavily. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so that, that will help them out. But, you know, the, the next bit of moves, it, they're all kind of bullpen-related moves, so we'll kind of fly through them a little quick, uh, quicker than we have been. But Jerry's Familia and Brad Hand both signed one-year, $6 million contracts with the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, um, you know, these guys are both former real high-end uh, relievers who, you know, have really struggled the last couple of years. I think the Phillies are kind of betting on, you know, law of averages. One of the two kind of finds themselves a little bit again. Relievers are really volatile. Both of them were pretty bad last year, but uh, that maybe one of the two kind of finds their their form again for, for a season. Um, you know, it's not a super high price to pay, and you're getting guys who have at times been good before. So it's not, you know, horrible deals, even though I think the Phillies would like to have added somebody a little bit more um, – a little bit more um, – with a little bit more certainty in that bullpen as, as bad as that bullpen's been. Yeah. They need a lot of help down there. And I think they're just kind of hoping on, you know, these guys being a bounce back candidate or something for him, but yeah. you know, their typical Phillies move, bad relievers, let's sign them and hope that we can turn them around. They never do. Yeah. So uh, the next one was Joe Kelly signs with the white Sox on a two year, $17 million deal. Yeah, I mean, and, and Joe Kelly's a guy who's he's perfect for a middle reliever. Uh, he's he can be somewhat inconsistent, especially with his command. But when he stays healthy, uh, he's got really really good stuff, and he can go on stretches being great. Um, you know, he's just another guy in that bullpen that's going to be really solid. I mean, that bullpen is insane. So yeah, and it's going to you know ever since Lockett ended, you haven't heard anything about them trading Craig Kimball which yeah. is really interesting, which was a foregone conclusion before it. But if they keep Kopech down there, you have Bummer down there, you have Crochet down there, like Kelly, Kimbrell, Hendricks, like that bullpen is disgusting. And especially with the, the velocity, like they're just going to keep throwing consistent velocity at you all the time um, from both sides. That, that could be a real nasty signing for the White Sox um, for sure. But 
The uh, the next one we'll jump to the Chicago Cubs signed Chris Martin on a one year deal, which I don't think I've seen the value at least on that yet. Yeah, um, Chris Martin's a guy I'm real familiar with. He's been with the Braves. Um, he's a guy who the sticky stuff ban really hurt. He really struggled after that. Um, and uh, you know he's he's a little bit of, a, of an older guy. The one thing I will say about him is that he's really 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 tall, and sometimes your your mechanics get really out of whack randomly for, when you're in that way. And it's possible that you know that could also have been a part of his his thing uh, last year that really helped made him struggle. But uh, at times he's been a really good reliever, so not a bad signing. What, what did you say the value the number was on it? I I haven't seen his value. It, I think it was yet. really low. I think it was only like three or four million dollars. So if if it that the case then, then that's you know totally fine reliever to sign just kind of as a middle reliever um who, who has a little bit of upside yeah absolutely uh the next one was adam Ottavino signs with the new york mets on a one-year four million dollar deal yeah and adam Ottavino is a guy who who is you know been in in new york as a yankee and now he's a met um he's a guy that he's a great slider um he wasn't all that good last year i don't think uh i think it was the year he was he really struggled but um you know, he's one of those guys that when he finds his slider, he's as good as anybody. But, you know, that's one of those pitches that can be kind of inconsistent. So uh, you just never know if his, if that slider is going to be there or not. And, um, you know, he could end up being – he's just a high upside, you know, high risk, high reward type guy in the bullpen right now. So uh, definitely somebody that, you know, you could potentially – you don't want him be, being your closer that you're relying on at the start of the year. But they have, you know, Edwin Diaz for that. So – uh, he's a guy that, you know, he could just add another really quality reliever if he, if he has a good year. So. Absolutely. Uh, and the last one we'll go on is that the other, uh, heist that you said the Braves got today, and that was signing Colin McHugh on a two year, $10 million deal with a third year option. That's worth $6 million. Yeah, I absolutely love this deal for the Braves. Colin McHugh last year in Tampa, was one of the best relievers in baseball put up um you know a, a 155 era in 64 innings he actually started seven games i think most of those were out of the that opener role but um he's a guy who's got a nasty relief stuff high spin rate doesn't throw very hard but he just throws in breaking balls he throws frisbees up there and uh a 212 fit last year Gets the ball, got the ball on the ground a lot more than he had in the past, and he did all this in, in the, one of the toughest divisions in baseball. And and it's not like it's a flash in the pan. 2018 with the Astros, he had a 199 ERA on the season. So this is a guy who is he has a track record and had a great year. And the Braves got him on a really cheap contract, have him under control for three years. I, I thought this was a fantastic, fantastic deal. Yeah, it's a it's a really good deal, and I couldn't believe that he only signed, um, you know, for five million dollars a year with an option for six. Like, he's a guy you probably expected to get, you know, close to eight million dollars a year with the production he was giving um, on a two to three year deal. So it's a real steal for the Braves. Um, they just seem to always always find those. So it will uh, it would be a really good addition to that bullpen. But, you know, just wrapping up on everything that we've seen, you know, since lockout ended and then getting ready to have spring training game start here in a couple days. Um, opening day is going to be, what, three weeks from Thursday. Um, just kind of what are your thoughts so far on everything and, and what are you looking forward to kind of getting into spring training games and uh, getting ready for the regular season? Yeah, I mean, the big the big free agents, the two major ones haven't fallen yet and then some of the other big biggish ones haven't fallen yet uh, obviously Correa is still out there I'm, I'm kind of expecting him to go back to Houston now um, I feel like a couple of the teams that were in on him 
haven't really been able to pull it together. And Houston seems like they've gotten really aggressive trying to bring him back. Um, I look at maybe, uh, you know, I look at Freddie Freeman and, and that market's just gotten really weird. And I feel like uh, I feel like it's going to be a surprise team. I think he probably would have signed with, with Los Angeles by now or, or the Yankees by now if he was going to. I think it might be some somebody that hadn't been talked about a lot. I, I kind of like the Blue Jays there, honestly, even though it's kind of weird with Vlad Jr., maybe Vlad Jr. DHs or something but uh, or vice versa. But, um, you know, I think that could also be just some really random team. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the season to start too. I mean, it's, it's getting close. Um, you know, I can't wait to see some, some spring training baseball, see, see how some of these uh, players come out and look, you know, it is, it's also exciting sometimes spring training to go ahead and see some of your prospects come up and, and play a little bit, uh, see what they've got at the big league level, uh, or against big league level competition, you know, in a, in a small sample, uh, get them exposed to that. And then, you know, we're only, you know, three weeks from the season actually beginning. So, um, you know, it's going to be a short spring training because of the lockout, but uh, hopefully I'm, I'm hoping that they're able to even get everyone ramped up, you know, well enough to, to be ready. Um, so we'll see. I'm excited. Uh, it's been a great uh, couple. It's been a whirlwind couple of days. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Um, it's just going to keep continue going like that for the next two or three days until the really big, big pieces fall. Freeman, Correa, Trevor Story still out there. Conforto still out there. There's still a lot out there. So uh, Schwarber, we'll have Bryant. Schwarber, Bryant. I mean, we'll have the next for the next, uh, you know, the next three or four days. I'm sure we'll have a, another flurry of moves. Uh, and then, you know, we'll have a few smaller pieces uh, that 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 are still left unsigned that that teams snatch up i think most pitchers have already kind of signed there's a few out there still like like maybe a zach granke or somebody but that that have that are interesting at least but they're it's mostly the the big ticket position players that are still out there so we'll see what happens it's gonna be very entertaining and uh, i can't wait for the season to start it's gonna be a fun season so yeah neither can i and most of those pitchers are going to come from the trade market there's still mania there's still montas there's still the hope of castillo Castillo trade um, and, and I think there's still there's another pitcher or two that I think are flying under the radar that will probably get traded somewhere. Um, just, it, you know, it's going to be that world when I think everyone's kind of waiting for Freeman and Correa. I think we already expected Freeman to sign like we expected him to be one of the first free agents to sign. I think we knew Correa would take a little bit more time yeah. because he's a Boris client. But we thought that, you know, he would sign. But I, I feel like. Freeman and Correa are more likely Freeman are kind of holding up that market because teams that don't get Freeman will kind of jump to the, you know, Correa or not Correa, but to um, the Schwarber, the Bryant, the other guys that Rizzo, the other guys that can play first base potentially, Um, you know, and then with story, you're kind of waiting for Correa to sign to where you're going to go. And it's all kind of just getting all held up on that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple big pitcher trades happen before you know the weekend's over, um, and then those guys they should be in in line before before Monday comes. Like I, you would think that they would, you know, they would be there because the spring training game started. Most people want about three weeks to ramp up, and we're just about at that time. So I would really expect to see the the once one of them falls, that the rest would kind of just start going pretty quickly, um, and, and get in line. So it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I'm excited to watch games again, you know, even spring training games, which don't mean much like they're they're more important now because of everything that we happened, you know, and the real threat of not having baseball like I'm I'm very interested in sitting down and watching 
the Dodgers, even though it's in Arizona in a day game, just just play some baseball, some baseball that's live and it's it's new and it's not old reruns from 2021 season or whatever. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy it's back. It's been a whirlwind, but it gives us a lot of content to talk about, which uh, is never a bad thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll keep you updated here, but I think that'll do it for us this week. Yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Batflip Podcast. Uh, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.